0: Welcome to the broadcast of Crosstown Church of Memphis. We are a church that is Christ centered, diversity driven, and community committed. A church that's bringing people together, sharing God's message of hope, love, and service. We seek to love God, love people, and serve the city. We welcome you to our broadcast with Pastor Byron Fitzpatrick.
1: Amen. Amen. Well, thank you guys again for joining us here at Crosstown Church in Memphis. We're so glad that you guys are Uh, Join us. Today, we are going to be continuing a series that we started last week, which is titled Text. And what we're doing is we're looking at the text, the Bible, the Word of God. Amen. The subtitle for today's lesson, for those of you that are taking notes, um, and I want to encourage everybody to take notes, the subtitle today is A Price Was Paid. A Price Was Paid. And so, what we're doing is throughout this series, we're looking at the Word of God, we're looking at the the writings uh, of the Bible, and we're examining. Examining the Word of God, so that we can really try to have a better understanding of why it's so important. You know, there are you know these days hardly anybody is really studying the Bible. You know, there's people that are still quote unquote reading the Bible, you know, occasionally, but even those numbers are are down. Um, and as as we go, it seems like as time the first as time continues to go on, there are less and less people that's actually either reading or actually studying the Bible. And, you know, the thing about it is that most people will admit that if they did read the Bible more, most people will admit that they need to read the Bible more, need to study the Bible more, and that if they did do it, it will probably do them some good. In other words, it's not going to hurt them. It's not going to kill them. If anything, it's probably going to help them out. But the rea- but the fact is that most people still do not read or study the Bible on a regular basis. Uh, they do not use it as, as a means of help or, shall I say, Uh, daily bread. You know, Jesus said, uh, who the uh, uh, the, uh, King David, I think he said in uh, 23rd Psalm, he said, uh, give (laughs) us this day our daily bread. You know, people don't use the word of God as as their daily bread. You know, our text scripture that's driving us throughout this entire series has come from the book of Hebrews chapter four and verse 12. It says, uh, the apostle Paul says, for the Lord, for the word of God is alive and powerful. He says that it's sharpened than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between spirit and soul between joint and marrow it exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. He's trying to tell us the Apostle Paul is trying to tell us that the Word of God is alive and it's powerful. it's not just words printed on a paper on pages it's not just a book for entertainment or for or historical purposes but he's saying that the word the words that are in this book is alive and they are powerful. they have the power to transform lives and it has the power to help. But and most people would probably say, yeah, I, I, they believe that it, it does have that power to transform lives. It does have the power to help, but they still neglect it. They still don't take it and use it on a daily basis. And, and so we're again, we're going to be we're examining the word of God and its importance to our lives. And so today we're going to be talking about, you know, again, the subtitles, a price was paid. And, you know, one of the reasons that people don't study the Bible is because um, they really don't understand it on different levels. And one of the levels that we're going to be focusing on today is they don't understand what it took for us to actually have the Bible. What did it take for us to get it? People don't really know the history of the Bible. They really don't know the sacrifices that was made by so many people for us to have it. You know, when we look throughout our history, there are things that we um, uh, are privy to today. The There's things that we are able to enjoy, you know, in life today because somebody paid a price, somebody made a sacrifice. We can think about our parents. You know, our parents, uh, our lives are, are are some of the things that we're able to enjoy in our lives today. is because of the sacrifices, because of the price that our parents made, and we and going back even further. The price that our grandparents made, the uh, uh, the sacrifices that our grandparents made allow us to be able to enjoy the, the the luxuries of life or the benefits of life that we're able to uh, enjoy today when it comes to the word of God it's no different there are things about the, the Bible there there was a price that was paid people made great sacrifices people uh, 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 put in a lot of hard work for us to have this and so we're going to look at the history today of the Bible and look at you know, uh, some of the things that some of the prices that people paid for us to be able to have the word of God today. Yes. <clears throat> so let's get our history uh, uh, lessons on or our, our history ears on today. And uh, there's some things that, that I'm going to share with you that is going to be maybe some things that you already know, maybe some things that you don't know. There's not I'm, I'm, I cannot in in no one can ever in teaching a history lesson, give you all the details of history in a particular lesson. But what we can do is we can give you some highlight points to help you to understand, you know, the journey that brought us to the place that we are today. So what I'm going to give you is I'm going to give you some highlighted points that that's going to help us to understand what brought us to the place that we are today or how do we get the word of God that we have today. All right. Again, there's a whole lot of stuff that I can't, because of lack of time, I don't, I'm not going to be able to share everything, but these highlighted points, if you take notes of these highlighted points, what you can do is you can go back and do what study and you can fill in the extra blanks and stuff that I don't share today. All right. What I am going to do is I'm going to start with, uh, start the history off, not with Adam and Eve, not with the creation of, of, of the Bible or, or the creation of all creation when God said, you know, let there be light and, 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 and so on. I'm going to start with um, what we know to be one of the first beginning or writings when it comes to recording of God's word. OK. And so about uh, uh, it started, you know, about 14, between 14 and 1500 B.C., is, and this is when Moses, or yeah, when Moses received the uh, 10 commandments written on stone, on stone tablets by God, okay, so this is where we're going to start, all right, this is one of the first places, and then actually, uh, when it comes to the writings in the Bible, when you study the Bible, this is probably deep, all right, this cat about driving me crazy, y'all, This is where we see probably one of the first places in the Bible, if not the first place in the Bible, where we see God's word actually written, written down somewhere, written on stone tablets, and God wrote these himself, and he gave these Ten Commandments to Moses. And when he gave these Ten Commandments to Moses, one of the things that happened here it provoked Moses, it pushed Moses into a place that he needed to begin to write down some things, he needed to begin to record some things, all right, and so uh, somewhere between fourteen and 1500 BC, before Christ, Moses began writing down uh, the things that God would say to him, he would have daily, if not, I mean, weekly, I don't know how often he met with God, him and God would speak face-to-face and God would actually give him some instructions on how to lead the children of, of Israel, how to govern the children of Israel. And then he also held, had some help from his father-in-law, Jethro, who also had a whole lot of uh, leadership knowledge. And he Jethro gave him some information and some knowledge and some direction on leading such a large group of people, which was ultimately an entire nation. Moses began to write these things down. If you guys remember back, going back and during the days of Moses, there was one thing that he built uh, uh, with the instructions of God, he built this thing that was called the Ark of the Covenant. And we know that the Ark of the Covenant was a gold, uh, uh, a gold structure box, and it had these like two falcon-like uh, characters or creatures on the top of it or whatever. But inside of this box was kept some real special, unique things that uh, God had Moses to make. One of the things that Moses kept in the Ark of the Covenant were scrolls, all right? Moses began to write down the things that God used to uh, say to him. He began to write down and he began to write down things all the way as far back as he can go, you know, his knowledge, his understanding, his studies, his research, when it came to the creation from, from when God first created the earth all the way up into his current time. And he wrote these things down on scrolls and he would take them and keep them and store them in the Ark of the Covenant. Right. And so that's where we know, uh, some of the earliest writings of the Bible that we have today. Some of the earliest writings, the Torah, the the Bible that the Jews use. Same information, same writings, same uh, text that we have in here. All right, the same thing. It's no different. Uh, I'm constantly hearing people come in. I, I hope I'm not missing anybody. But anyway. <clears throat> So he wrote these things down and he would put them in the Bible. The Jews to this day use uh, uh, those writings that was in those scrolls. Also, uh, 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 the the Muslims, Muslims, a lot of their texts came from that same thing. You know, the same thing they wrote down because the history goes all the way back to Adam and Eve, back to the days of of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. And then all the way up, you know, continue to move up. So Moses began to write down and record all of this information. And he kept, he wrote them on scrolls, all right? So that's what we know some of the early beginnings of the writings of the Bible was. And then somewhere around 500 BC, uh, uh, 39 books of the Old Testament were completed. So um, so still, we're not at the place of the birth of Jesus Christ, Christ. we are still before Christ, 500 BC. So by 500 BC, there were 39 books of the Old Testament that were completed that's over a thousand years. So from the time that God wrote the 10 commandments on those stone tablets and gave them to Moses. So from that time, all the way up until, you know, about a thousand years later, a thousand years in the making, then now the people have what, you know, what what we know today as the Old Testament. All right. So by the end of the first century, by the end of the first century. All right. So after Christ was born and lived and died and, gone back to heaven. Then there were some new writings that began to take place. And these new writings began with the, with the disciples of Jesus Christ, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, uh, James, um, um, some other guys, you know, the Apostle Paul, um, Titus. So all these guys, they began to, uh, they began to, uh, 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 they began to write down, you know, their recordings, their personal account. All right. These are not, things like Moses. Moses a lot of the stuff that Moses had wrote in the beginning, you know, uh, uh did I tell you guys the books that Moses wrote? He wrote the book of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Num- Numbers and Deuteronomy. These were the five books that Moses wrote, the very beginning writings of the Bible, okay? <clears throat> now here we are. Christ has lived and died and gone back to heaven. Now we have these disciples who are beginning to write their account of actually being with Jesus. These are not secondhand information that they're writing. They're writing their personal experiences that they had during the days of Jesus Christ, all right? And so by the time, about you know, uh, 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 during that first century, they wrote what we know today to be the New Testament. So y'all see I'm going through history really fast here today because I wanna bring us to a certain point, all right? So here we have now, we have the Old Testament, and then we have the New Testament. The Old Testament was written in Hebrew. The New Testament was written in Greek. The reason that happened is because of certain empires. You know, back in the day, you know, we, we, we had these things that's called empires or it's where certain countries ruled over a large portion of the land or uh, ruled over o- other countries and so forth, occupations and everything like that. And so during the Old Testament days, the different ones that uh, 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 you know that was majorly in charge and stuff, but the the, the Old Testament was written in the Hebrew uh, language. All right, I'm not sure specifically what that language is, but it's a Hebrew language. It was written in Hebrew. The New Testament was written in Greek. The reason that the New Testament was written in Greek is because during the time of the New Testament, during the times of the days of jesus christ when jesus christ walked on this earth in the areas that he lived and walked on it was during the roman empire all right it was during the roman empire so jesus lived during the days of caesar right and caesar and augustus yes. and a bunch of them people right emperor uh, uh, what they call them um i'll call them caesars yeah it's different caesars anyway he lived during the roman empire so the new testament was written in greek all right so we have the old testament and hebrew new testament and greek and then in about 37 or 367 ad 367 years after christ um there was a, a man by the name of I, I, i'm a butcher his name okay i'm gonna spell it for those of you that are taking notes if you want to write this down uh but i'm gonna try to pronounce it as well i've tried all week long trying to pronounce his name and i still ain't got it right uh it's Athanasius. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Athanasius is, yeah, something like that. It's A-T-H-A-N-A-S-I-U-S. I'll spell it one more time for anybody who's taking the notes. A-T-H-A-N-A-S-I-U-S. Athanasius. Athanasius, yeah. And anyway, this guy, he was an Egyptian Christian all right, he was a part of the Roman Catholic Church, he was a a, a, a a Christian, all right, an Egyptian Christian, and he lived through a span of four different Roman emperors, all right, and he eventually became Pope of Alexandria. Um, one of the things that he did is he took the historical writings that the disciples and other ones wrote down. He took the, which was was a, a compilation of which we know today as being the New Testament. He took all of the writings of all of these disciples and he combined them into twenty seven books that we know today as being the New Testament. So this guy who was the Pope of, of the Roman and uh, uh, Catholic Church during his time, you know, during uh, lived a span of four different emperors. He took all these writings and combined them into what we know today as being the. The New Testament, all right, and then in three hundred and ninety-three, all right, so about what's that? Thirty some years later, almost thirty some years later, there was an assembly in Africa, um, and it was called. It was an assembly of clergy, clergy people, you know, bishops, uh, pastors, uh, uh, pope, or uh, uh, and you know, all them people. Um, they got together and they had this assembly. It was called the Synod of Hippa. And they looked at all of these writings that this guy wrote and combined them and, and, and you know, that became the New Testament. They looked at all of these. And I, and I believe in the, in the in, uh when I was looking at the history of this, it was about a week that they all spent together doing this assembly. And they was looking at all of these different writings. So we had different uh, clergy from different types of uh, religious backgrounds but all still believed in the same Christian beliefs, all right? They got together, they looked at all of this, and they came to a place where they said they they said, yeah, this is this is like as accurate as as we can, you know, uh, see this as being. This looks like sounds like it reads like this is what actually took place. This is the correct recordings of the writings of the disciples. And so they approved them during that time, all right? So in 393 AD, this African assembly approved those writings, those books that we know today is called the New Testament. By the year 500 AD, the Bible had been translated into 500 different languages. 500 years after Jesus was, was crucified, dead, and buried, and gone back to heaven, 500 years after him, then we have the, the book of the Bible, uh, the Old Testament and the New Testament that have been translated into five different languages. All right. This was exciting for a lot of different people all over the place, all over the world or however far it reached during this time, because now people can read God's word in their own language. Before, it was only just in a few languages. Like I said, it was in Greek. It was in Hebrew. And so people was trying to understand it in the Hebrew in the Hebrew context. People was trying to understand it in the Greek context. But then people started translating it into different languages. And so this became real exciting because now people can like read it in their own language and with their own understanding. So so here's something that happened. Something crazy happened. Throughout history, it's like, you know, it, it looks like, man, we could be going in the right direction. And, and some of you, we can, exp- we can relate to this in our lifetime. As, as a matter of fact, just this week, something crazy happened, all right? We, we'll get to that. But here, something crazy happened around 600 AD, all right? The Bible is, 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 is like, man, this, this looks, you know, these, these people, these African clergy people approved the New Testament. It was like, man, we got the Old Testament. We got the New Testament. This looks right. It looks good. Yes, let's roll with this thing, man. And, 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 and so now it's being translated into all these different languages and something crazy happened. Something crazy happened. There's always someone that's trying to mess stuff up, right? About 600 AD, the Bible was only allowed in one language. It's been translated now to five different languages. It was only allowed in one language, and it, at this time, the Roman Catholic Church was the only organized church, the only real organized church in all land. Again, this is—I I have to go back and look at time. I don't—I don't think the Romans were still, you know, the, the dominant, you know, uh, uh, government during this time. Maybe they were. I'm not sure. I have to go back and look at that. So don't quote me on that. I, I didn't—I didn't confirm that history during my studies, but. The Roman Catholic Church had grown tremendously all over the place. It was like the largest and and, and probably probably the only real true organized church. All right. And because the Romans were in charge at the time, wherever all over all the lands that they were in charge of, they can enforce. They said, "Okay, if you're going to have this Christian religion, the Roman government really didn't care about religion so much. They only care about the influence that they had. And they would use the influence to their own benefit, to be honest with you. But they would they would say to the churches like, OK, we'll let y'all have this church. But this is what this is. Here goes some rules and regulations y'all have to abide by. OK, blah, blah, blah. Roman Catholic Church, they said, no, nope, no more Bibles translated in no more languages. Only one language only. And guess what? It was the Latin language. The Latin language is probably the most hardest language even today to translate. A lot of things that are written, you know, in Latin. It's like you have to call in specialists. You have to call in these special people in order to translate it. It's not an easy language to translate. During this time, the Latin language was primarily uh, uh, used by the bishops in the Catholic Church, the teachers in the Catholic Church. The regular people didn't know that Latin language. They was speaking the language of their land. The Latin language was primarily being used by those people who had degrees in, you know, in in the Bible uh, and, and particularly in the Latin language. So what this did is this gave them the power. This gave the Roman Catholic Church the power to be able to teach whatever they wanted to teach. You know, that's one of that's been one of our concerns about the Bible is that it's been written to to oppress people or it's been written to control people. Well, guess what? That is a true thing that has happened throughout the history of the Bible, that it's been written or it's been suppressed in ways to try to control people. So in other words, instead of letting the true word of God go forth, let's suppress it. Let's see what we can, how we can control this because we want to control the people. By them allowing that Bible to be only in Latin, they were able to teach whatever they wanted to teach because other people couldn't read it. Other people couldn't understand it. So they would just teach whatever they wanted to teach. And then they could, they can control the people how they wanted to control the people. They even, they outlawed every other Bible. All the other translate translation, they outlawed them. Nobody could teach them. Nobody could read them. Nobody can possess them. All right, this was enforced from the year of two four hundred A.D. to fourteen hundred A.D. That's a thousand years. A thousand years, the Roman Catholic Church had the control over the Bible only in the Latin language, and so no other languages. And this was called the Dark Ages. All right. So during the dark ages, the Roman Catholic Church they were, They did certain things. I'm I'm just going to give you guys a couple of things that they did. I can't give you a whole lot of things. They got to, they had they they was teaching this thing that's called purgatory. You guys have heard of purgatory before, right? They was doing this thing called purgatory. So in the early Catholic Church, what they would do with purgatory is that it's this place place between you know uh, 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 um, I, I, would, I would I would say between life and death. It's this place between life and death. So after someone dies you know, they don't go straight to heaven or they don't go straight to hell. They're in this space that's called purgatory, purgatory, their soul is, all right? And so what the Catholic, the Roman Catholic Church, what they would do is they would say that this person right here has some sins on their lives that has not been paid for. Now, we know that Jesus, when he died on the cross, he died and he paid the price for all, right? For all sins, right? And in the church, there was a big old veil In the church that with the Ark of the Covenant was behind that, and the veil. when the thunder and the earthquake and the lightning, when Jesus died, it ripped in half and everybody could see the Ark of the Covenant. That was a sign that they used to say that, hey, no more do you have to go through a bishop or a high priest to go to God to ask for forgiveness. You can go to God straight yourself. None of this in-between stuff, right? You no know, more sacrificing animals and all this stuff right So here the Roman Catholic Church has this space called purgatory and they would say, okay, your loved one they, they, they passed away and you know they haven't they're, they're in this place of purgatory, but they have some sins that was undealt with. They have some sins that was never they never asked for forgiven for for forgiveness for these sins. so it's, it' has, it hasn't been determined which direction they're going to go heaven or hell but this is what you can do as their family member. You can pay for, you can buy, if you give a certain amount of money, you can pay for them to go on to heaven. All right. And so people would actually pay the Roman Catholic church to get their people out of uh, purgatory and get them to go into heaven. All right. It, it was a bunch of crazy stuff that they used to do. All right. And, and you know, the Roman Catholic church, well, I'm not, I'm, I'm not here to judge the Roman Catholic church. We're just talking about history here. So let me do that. In uh, 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 so this went on, the dark ages went on for about a thousand years. Then in 563 AD, there was this Scottish guy named Columba. Columba started a secret Bible school. And during this, and, and during this secret Bible school, he would teach God's word in its true form. He was like, man, enough of this stuff that the Catholic church is doing. They're oppressing us. They're doing all this stuff. Forget this. I, We know we have record of the true word of God. So we're going to teach the true word of God. All right. And we're going to do this under. We have to do this secretly because right now we know it's against the law. OK, so this went on for 700 years. This secret underground school went on for 700 years. And then. In the late 1300s, there was this guy by the name of John Wycliffe. John Wycliffe, he was a part of this secret school, and he was the first person to translate the Bible into the English language. Now, by this time, by the 1300s, the Roman, the Roman Empire is no longer the dominant empire anymore. The hands of uh, there was a transition that had taken place over time, and now, guess who's in charge? Now, guess who's the dominant empire? It's England. It's, it's the throne of England. It's it's the UK. All right, the British. They are the dominant ones now. So now the English influence, the English power, that's over everything. So John Wycliffe, he was the first person to take the Roman uh, or take the Bible that was only printed in Latin, and he was the first one to take that Bible and translate it into the English language. All right, great news, right? Great news. Okay, here. Unfortunately. Unfortunately, he was called a heretic. All right. He was an evil person. He was someone that was against the church. You know, that's what they used to call Jesus. Jesus was a heretic because he was coming teaching something different than what, 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 what the church at that time were teaching. All right. The church was 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 corrupt. And here Jesus come teaching the truth and setting people's minds free of the corruption. He was labeled a heretic. So here we have John Wycliffe, who's doing the same thing. The church is oppressing people. They're corrupt. John Wycliffe, he took this and he translated, and and, and he he translated to the English language. He's teaching the real true word of God, and, and, and now he's being labeled a heretic, all right? The pope at the time, the pope at the time was so disgusted. So discussed, the Pope of the Roman church, right? So even though in, now we're not in the Roman empire anymore, we now have the English empire, okay? But the Roman Catholic church is still the dominant leading organized church, all right? Still the, the church, all right? So now uh, 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 Wycliffe, uh, the Pope was so disgusted with Wycliffe and his what he was teaching, the true word of God, uh, and he, They were so disgusted with him translating the Bible from Latin into the English language that after he died, 44 years after this man died, the Pope at the time had his body dug up, took his bones, had them crushed and thrown into the river. He was so disgusted with this guy. They was trying to set an example, saying this was an evil guy. He, he, he you know, anyway. Wycliffe, he had this student. We're moving on. I'm trying to help uh, him get through this uh, history lesson. I hope you all follow me. OK, Wycliffe, he had this student, right? He had this student named John Huss. <clears throat> John Huss, after Wycliffe died, John Huss, he did everything that he do. He worked really hard to continue John Wycliffe's mission, mission of reforming the church. All right. And, 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 and he did this. And so while he was doing this, guess what? He's also called an heretic. He's also called an heretic. All right. And they took him and he was burned at the stake. They tied this guy to a pole and they burned him alive. But get this. it? Get what do you think they used to burn his body or, or to, to start the fire that they used to burn his body? They took the Bible, all the Bibles that they can gather up that John Wycliffe had interpreted to the English language. They took as many Bibles as they can find. And they use those Bibles, spread them all around his body, all around him at his feet while he's tied to this pole. Uh, and they set the Bibles on fire, burning this man alive. And, and while he was there and they, they set this fire, this is what this is what John Huss said as they were burning him at the stake. He said in the next 100 years, God will raise up a man whose call for reform cannot be suppressed. So they're burning this guy at the stake, using Bibles to burn him, all right? And he says, and he yells out this prayer or he yells out this thing. He says, In the next 100 years, God will raise up a man whose call to reform the church cannot be suppressed. And guess what happened? God did exactly that, all right? Y'all hang on now because history's gonna take another turn. History has a way of, of showing God up. I don't, I don't care. When you study history, History has a way of showing God up. All right. All you got to do is follow history. God, You're going to see God somewhere. All right. So here, this man, John Huss, has now been burned 100 years later. All right. In 1517, God raises up this man in Germany named Martin Luther. All right. Not Martin Luther King. All right. <laughs> A different Martin Luther. He raised up this man in Germany named Martin Luther. Martin Luther is, if, if you know anything about the Christian religion, especially the modern day Christian religion, Martin Luther, Martin Luther is like a pillar. He is like huge in the development of the Reformation of the church. All right, so here he is. He has fed. He has. Uh, 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 he is fed up with the corruption in the church. And he believed God is calling him to reform it. So on Halloween day, get this, on Halloween day, John Luther or Martin Luther, he took a letter. He wrote this letter. It had 95 claims of heresy against the church. All right. He wrote a letter basically condemning the church. And he had 95 heresies, 95 sins that the church is committing against the people. He took this letter on Halloween day and he nailed it to the church in Wittenberg the church in Wittenberg, Germany. All right. And this thing, it was described as the knock that was heard around the world. And this act became the reformation of the modern day church. All right. It was like, he started something when he did that. It's like, it's like, you know, um, I'm not gonna try to compare anything. Anyway, it started the reformation of the church. God used Martin Martin Luther to take the Bible and translate it into the German language. So here it was, it was being, it was, it was outlawed for about a thousand, the Bible was uh, only allowed in one language, Latin language for about a thousand years. Then we had a guy, uh, John Husk, take he, he, uh, it, in, in, uh, 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 Wyclef, John Wyclef, uh, translated into the English language. Then when he did that, okay, you know, he died. They took his bones, crushed him and threw him into the river. Then his, his student uh, hus had had translated the Bible to uh, you know he started doing the work and continuing on. They burned him at the stake. Now we got Martin Luther, you know, almost a hundred years later. God raises him up in Germany and he takes the Bible and he translates it. He translates this Bible into the German language. He's he's living in German, all right. And I'm I'm, I'm gonna tell you something uh, 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 unique about this guy here, John. Or, or Martin Luther, you we guys know Martin Luther King, right? I learned this, me and Marguerite learned this history when we uh, we, we, we first did the civil rights tour. Uh, and uh, we, we're, we're planning to do that. We actually, we were supposed to be doing another civil rights tour here next month, but uh, we done postponed it because uh, we postponed it. But so some more information will be coming out about that. Okay, so uh, don't think that it's gone. It's not gone, it's just been postponed. But we went to, we did the civil rights tour. And one of the places that we went, we went to Montgomery. And the church that Martin Luther King pastored there in <clears throat> Montgomery, when we went to visit that church, uh, the pastor was giving us some history. And one thing that he shared with us, he said, you guys know that uh, Martin Luther King, uh, Martin Luther King, uh, senior and junior's name uh, wasn't originally Martin Luther King, Martin Luther. And I was like, we, was, we all sitting there like, what, what was it? He said, they say it was Mike, Michael King. Mm-hmm. They said, John, uh, Martin Luther King's father, who was also a pastor, he pastored at Ebenezer Baptist Church in, in Atlanta, Georgia. He said um his name his original name his birth name was michael king mm-hmm. michael king the the domina- denomination that he was by the church that he was a part of the denomination that he was a part of they uh, funded him to go on this 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 worldwide trip if you guys remember malcolm x did this uh pilgrimage trip uh when he was in this turmoil place with the nation of islam he went on this pilgrimage trip and he went to mecca, mecca was one of the places that he went to because he wanted to understand and to really discover and know the 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 basics the fundamentals of the muslim religion so he went there and he discovered something different that than than what the nation of islam was teaching he discovered a religion that had but it was full of diversity of people from all over the world and they had a message of peace and not of one of hate and destruction all right different from what the nation nation was teaching as a whole all right Martin Michael King went on a very similar pilgrimage trip during this time, he went to several different countries, he was studying the Christian religion. And one of the places he went to was Germany. When he went to Germany, he studied Martin Luther. All right. And, And this was during the time of Adolf Hitler. Adolf Hitler during this time was beginning to suppress the Jews in Germany. And Martin Luther or Michael King during this time went there. He was visiting there and he was studying uh, 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 Martin Luther and his works and everything. And he began to he was seeing the oppression that was taking place from the uh, uh, to the Jews there, how they was being suppressed. And, and and this was before, you know, the war broke out and everything like that. He came back home. After discovering what he discovered, he changed his name from Michael King to Martin Luther King. He was so impressed by Martin Luther's works. He was so impressed by his mission to reform the church and what he saw and what he saw in some of the other countries, too, when it comes to the Christian religion. We have been duped. We have been oppressed the, it, what, the word that was being taught and how it was being taught in the United States, especially from slavery up to now to, to oppress people. No, it's like there is so much truth that's out there. And all we have to do is study and find the truth. And he changed his name to Martin Luther King. And he changed his son who was born at that time. He was Mike, Mike. They used to call him uh, Big Mike and Little Mike. I think they said his, they used to call him. <clears throat> Changed his name, changed his name, and changed his son's name to Martin Luther King Jr. They got their name from this guy right here, Martin Luther, who was a, a German uh, guy from Germany who was sick and tired of the 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 the, the uh, a corruption in the church, and he went set out to reform reform it. Of course, of course, Martin Luther was also called a heretic. People wanted to kill him, kill him, and he spent most of his life on the run to save his life, all right? Here we go. I'm almost done, y'all. In 1526, we're coming along the timeline. In 1526, there was this guy from England, a guy from the UK. His name was William Tyndale. Some of you might be familiar with the name Tyndale, William Tyndale. Um, uh, He's a, uh, a publishing company right now today called Tyndale. There's a Bible that's called the Tyndale Bible. It's a very popular Bible known all, all around the world. All right. It's after this guy here, William Tyndale. All right, William, if you can go in any, just about any Christian bookstore, Barnes Noble, whatever, you can find the Tyndale Bible. It, they're very easy to find. William Tyndale, he befriended Martin Luther. All right. He is credited for printing the very first English Bible. So now, so we'll go back. The Bible was already had one time been translated to the English, English language, but it had not yet been printed, all right? William Tyndale was the first one who was credited, he's credited for actually printing the Bible in English. Good news, right? Good news. No, not. It wasn't good news. Bad news. The Bible, this Bible that he printed was ruled illegal, and anyone who, caught, who was caught with this Bible was executed immediately, are you kidding me? You mean to tell me that if I get caught possessing a Bible, then they have the right to kill me immediately. No trial, no arrest, no booking, no fingerprinting, none of that stuff. Execute immediately. Now think about this. If if there are laws and rules and, and the, the the church, the Catholic church is oppressing this, the, 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 the true writings of the Bible this hard, where they're burning people at the stake, where they're crushing people's bones up and throwing them in the river, where they're executing people immediately for possessing an English-printed English Bible, there's got to be something in it here that is so important that they're trying to stop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. has to be. Tyndale, he defied the law. He defied the law. He kept printing and selling it all over the place. All right. For 11 years, he was on the run for his life. In 1536, he was finally captured. And guess what they did with him when they captured him? They burned him at the stake, too. And his last words, he was praying to God when they were burning him at the stake. He, he prayed. He said, oh, Lord, open the eyes of the king of England. Remember, England was the, the, the dominant power at this time, right? He said, open the eyes of the king of, of England. Three years later, three years later. Guess what? Three years three. The <laughs> number three is significant because it shows up all throughout the Bible. I told y'all God keeps showing up through history, man. All you got to do is pay attention. Three years later, God answered his prayer. God answered this man's prayer. And, 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 and King, the king of England at the time, who was King Henry VII, he allowed the printing of the Bible in the English language. And not only did he allow the printing of it, he helped to fund it. All right. So here we are, we have a, a, a huge historical shift here that's happening in the, in the, in the Christian uh, uh, faith, in the Christian belief, in the Catholic church, and all over, you know, when it comes to Christianity, is he's allowing for this Bible to be printed, and he helped to fund this thing. From there, the efforts of the, of, of the Bible, the, the efforts of the accurate Bible continues on till this day, you know, so so the king of England, King Henry was the one he allowed it. And then, uh, you know, uh, some time later, then we know we had King James to come back and to, you know, uh, uh, rewrite it or reprint. He had some people, some bishops and clergy people to get together and they wrote a different version and which they call was the most accurate or whatever. So throughout history, it's constantly been looked at. It's constantly been. You know, people come back and they change the world. this is, They find out some more history. They find out some more history here. You know, it's no different from our history here in America as, as African-Americans or Black Americans. There's history that's been suppressed by so, by certain people for so many years. And as that history becomes uncovered and the true history comes out, then history is literally done what? It's been rewritten. Just here lately, we've been celebrating, you know, a uh, uh, we just, just, we just celebrated Juneteenth. And the history about Juneteenth continues to unveil itself, continues to be uncovered. And the more and more it continues to be uncovered, guess what happens? History begins to be rewritten. The Bible is no different. The Bible has been this way for the longest, man. It's the, the history of the Bible is continually being rewritten because it's been constantly suppressed for so long. And then people are constantly wanting to know the truth and they're seeking the truth. and They're looking for the truth. And as they find the truth, they uncover more truth. And so what happens is the Bible gets rewritten. One of the reasons that the Bible, there's two primary reasons why the Bible gets rewritten. One is because somebody is trying to stop something and suppress people. They don't want the real truth to come out. Two is because people found out the real truth and they're trying to get it out. Only two reasons why the Bible has been translated so many times. Somebody's trying to hide the truth. Somebody's trying to get the truth out there. So we're stuck somewhere in the middle, right? (coughs) Stuck somewhere in the middle. So for (coughs) for years, it has been suppressed. It's been outlawed. It's been translated to so many different languages, so much to the point where people today don't know if they can trust it anymore. We don't know. How do we know that right now what we have that's accessible to us is designed to oppress us? How do we know that what we have today isn't the truth and we can really trust it? Like I said, we're caught somewhere in the middle. We're in between the suppression use of the Bible, and we're in between the truth of the Bible. That's where we're at. We're somewhere in between. So what's the answer? What do we do? Trust yourself and trust God. That's what you do. Trust yourself and trust God. We are smart people. We are intelligent people. We have the freedom now to make up our mind for ourselves. We don't have to be dictated by anybody. One reason, one of the beautiful things, you know, as as bad as the United States is, one of the beautiful things about the United States and, 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 and the establishment, the English establishment of the United States in the beginning was what? Freedom of religion. And as much as our religion is still, is trying to be suppressed here, we still have a level of freedom in our religion that they can't stop. We're smart. We're intelligent. We can go study. The, the, we have access to history to study for ourselves, to uncover and find stuff ourselves. We don't have to wait for a John Wycliffe. We don't have to wait for a John Huss. We don't have to wait for uh, 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 some of these other guys that I mentioned. We don't have to wait for a uh, uh, Martin Luther. They done did the work already. All we got to do, and we can go study and try to research and find stuff that they didn't, maybe didn't find. We're very smart. God made us smart people. He made us intelligent people. Trust yourself. If we study, if we study it, we can tell. We can tell if something's wrong. So many people don't know if it's wrong or not when it comes to, let's just say, the King James Bible. You don't know if there's stuff wrong in the King James Bible because you don't study it. All you know is what people say. Mm-hmm. Somebody said this, somebody said this, somebody taught this, somebody taught that. How do you know? You, did you read it for yourself? Did you study it for yourself? You don't know. Ooh, we are very smart. Into, if we run across something in the Bible and we see like, wait a minute, this is wrong. I, this cannot be right. This contradicts itself. And if you find something that contradicts itself, what do you do? You study, you research, you mm-hmm. find out. And, and, and you, you don't just stay in that Bible. Go look at some other Bibles. Go look at some other commentaries. Go look at history itself. Not just the Bible itself, but compare it against history itself and see what you find out. You're smart, you're intelligent, you can find out. And guess what? Guess what? And when that what happens if you can't find out, if you're stuck and you just can't figure it out. You know what Jesus did? He told the disciples in the last day, He says, I I gotta leave. I gotta go back to my father's house. He said, But don't worry. I'm going to leave you some help. I'm going to lead the Holy Spirit and he's going to help you. He's going to lead you and he's going to guide you into all what? Truth. Yeah. He's going to lead and guide you into all truth. He said, he will remind you everything that I have already told you. And so when we're studying the word of God, we have to know that we have a helper. Who is the Holy Spirit? When we get stuck, we get lost, we just can't go no further. Let go and just say, God, Holy Spirit, I need you to help me. Show me some things here. And and, and just like the apostle Paul said, the words in this book is alive and they're powerful. The Holy Spirit will take those words in that Bible and He will show you the truth. Show you the truth. But this does not happen without studying. Amen. You cannot depend on the Holy Spirit to remind you of what Jesus told you. If you're not reading what Jesus told you, you you have nothing to bring to your remembrance. He said the Holy Spirit will bring back to your remembrance everything that I have told you. Well, what has Jesus told you? It's written in the book. If you're not reading and studying it, then he ain't told you nothing. The only thing he told you is what uh, Pastor Paul told you. Only thing he told you is what Pastor Tim said. The only thing he told you is what your grandmama or what your mama told you. How do you know that's true? How do you know it's real? Study for yourself. Amen, amen. It's just like this right here. You will never learn how to swim if you're afraid to drown. You will never allow for the Holy Spirit to bring God's word alive and powerful in your life. If you never study, think about this. I'm bringing this to a close now. I've gone too long over my time limit. <clears throat> so many people neglect their voting rights, they take it for granted. And people, if they really took the time to learn and to study the history, they would probably value it more and they would probably engage in their voting rights more. People were jailed, they were beaten, they were lynched, they were hung, they were burned, tied to trees and burned for us to have the right to vote. And yet so many people take it for granted. So many people, they neglect their voting rights. I'm going I'm, to I'm, 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 I'm share this with you guys. You know, just this week we had this, the Supreme Court overturn uh, Roe v. Wade. Right. And And so many people are celebrating right now in our country. And but then we got a whole nother segment of our country that's disgusted by it. My wife and I, we were talking the other morning about it, and I said something to her. I said, you know what? Um, I actually think it's a good thing. I, I, th- I think it's a good thing. I think the, the motive behind it from those who were supporting the, you know, to uh, to overturn Roe v. Wade, I think their motives are wrong. But ultimately, I think it's a good thing. And this is why I think it's a good thing. And I, I hope Someone can find some encouragement in this and not to be so upset about this situation. All right. Uh be happy about it. God has a way of showing up. All right. And I'm not, and I'm not saying I'm not saying this because I'm a supporter or I'm against it. I'm taking a neutral position on this. But this is what I believe. I have always believed that those people, those ancestors of ours, ours who were jailed. Those ancestors of ours who were beaten, who were lynched, who was hung, who was tied to trees and burned, for us to have the right to vote. I believe we have neglected that right for far too long. And we have come to a place now where they're saying to us, do not neglect your right anymore. How, how do we do this? Guess what? The the the, the Supreme Court basically says this. Um we're not taking a position on whether this should be legal or not legal abortion. We're going to turn it over into the hands of the state to decide for themselves to do that. So if it goes to the state level, then who's going to be the one to make the decision? Different states going to have different laws, different positions on abortion, which they have right now. So guess what? It goes to the state. Those states are going to decide who in those states are going to decide those legislators, those Senate and those Congressmen and, and what have you in that state are going to decide what it's going to be for that state. How do we get those senators? How do we get those congressmen? How do we get those um, those governors and those mayors and so forth? How do we get them? We vote for them. We vote for them. So so why, don't, don't be upset about what the Supreme Court did. Let's be motivated by what we can do. What do you want? We have a voting right. People died. They were jailed. They were beaten. They were lynched. They were hung. They were burned. For us to have the right to vote, go to the polls, vote. What do you want for your state? We'll put the congressmen and the senators and the mayors and the governors in office. That's how the Supreme Court did, said, you want it? Then you vote for it. We're going to give you the power. They basically, the Supreme Court basically said this. We're going to give the power back to the people. That's what they did. We're giving the power back to the people. Guess what, people? There were people who were jailed. They were beaten, they were lynched, they was hung. They were burned at the stake for us to have access to God's word that we have access to today. Yet so many people, they neglected. So many people take it for granted. Amen. People died in modern day times. People died for us to have the access of God's word that we have today. Now we have the freedom We have the freedom of God's word today. We live in a country where we have the freedom to study and research without limitations. Who can stop us? If God is for us, who can be against us? The book of Hebrews chapter four and verse 12, for the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes the innermost thoughts and desires. It is so important to engage in God's words. To know him is to serve him and to follow him. We must feed on his word. And yet so many people, they choose to starve. Instead of feeding on God's word, you choose to starve. Guess what? Starvation is a slow, painless death. You get hunger pains. Painless. You get hunger pains. Hunger pains eventually will go away. Mm -hmm. And guess what, then your body will start, your, your major organs will start shutting down because of dehydration. Starvation is a slow, painless death. When you don't feed on God's word, you're slowly, painlessly dying.
0: If this message was a blessing to you and you would like to support this ministry in a financial way, you can donate electronically by texting to 84321 and enter the dollar amount you'd like to donate in the message area. Or, you can mail a check or money order to Crosstown Church of Memphis, P.O. Box 40981, Memphis, Tennessee 38104. We invite you to visit our website at www.wearecrosstown.com for more information about our church. Join us for our next broadcast next Sunday at 10 a.m. Be blessed and be better.